Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared, alongside Mr. Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. How are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Jared. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing great because I got a random Hanukkah present from you. Thank you so much. I got the, uh, is it the City Edition or the, yep. it's a City, city. Edition, Luka Doncic's jersey, <clears throat> the uh, shirt jersey. So appreciate you sending me that. I'll uh, opt to return the favor with something. No, you, you don't owe me anything. You're good. <laughs> well, I appreciate it anyway. Um, should be a fun show today. We're going to do a little bit of uh, Mavs preview, NBA preview, um, talk about some of the games that we watched uh, this weekend. I know real life has kind of caught up with me personally, um, and I haven't gotten to watch as much as I had hoped. But... Um, but I know you're, you've are you been putting in work. So, But before we get into anything too much, uh, thoughts and prayers from both of us going out to Keontae Johnson and his family. Uh, really scary situation when he collapsed on the court against Florida State. Um, he had to be put in a medically induced coma, I believe. But but I've, I've heard he's been responsive and, um, you know, he's kind of on the up and up at this point. So, again, just thoughts and prayers out to Keontae. Um Wish him all the best. Uh, obviously, all that comes comes before basketball uh, and before sports. So, uh, anything you wanted to add on that on that front? No, I mean, yeah, you said it best. Hopefully, he's able to make a full recovery. You know, live his normal life and do what he wants to do. You know, hopefully, it's just a minor hiccup. For sure. So, um, so with that in mind, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and move along here. Um, I guess actually, before we hit the uh, the college stuff. Uh, we don't have much, but we have a little bit from the G League uh, Ignite game, um, or scrimmage, rather. Uh, they scrimmaged, I know, just a bunch of, uh, of veterans. Uh, but this uh, this roster that they have, some of the names uh, that you need to know that, that are on it, uh, Jonathan Kuminga and Jalen Green are probably the two biggest names. Um, Dacian Nix is, is another probably first-round prospect as well. Um, Isaiah Todd and Kai Soto, uh, two more kind of big name prospects and, uh, Jeremy Lin's on the team. So that's cool. Wow. Um, I haven't seen any film of this, so I'm, I literally have nothing to go off but the box score and I hate box score scouting. Um, but because it's all we have of these G leaguers, it's something to talk about, I guess. So. Have you seen the uh, the box score? I remember Kuminga did really well. Uh, I feel like he had like, what twenty six five and five, give or take on the five and five. So so he he did have twenty six. He had twenty six on eleven of fifteen shooting, two of five from three, two of four from the free throw line, uh, eight rebounds, one assist, uh, three okay. turnovers, and a block. So I mean, he was the leading scorer uh, in the game. Uh, Jalen Green uh, came right behind him with 22 points on eight of 15 shooting, one of four from three, made all five of his foul shots, and he added seven rebounds. Um, no assists, no turnover, or sorry, no assists, no no rebound, uh, no no assists, no steals, <laughs> three turnovers, uh, no blocks. Sorry, I'm I'm having trouble reading this. Um, Dacia Nix uh, was nine and nine. Uh, nine assists, that is, uh, including one of three from downtown as well. Isaiah Todd struggled a little bit, two and nine from the field, 
um, 8.6 rebounds. Uh, Soto didn't do much either, 5-5. Five and five. Uh, But Soto's probably the the least noteworthy of the of those five. Um, but I know he was kind of a big deal just coming over from the was it the Philippines, right? Yep, correct. So I don't know what what are kind of your thoughts on again, it's just a box score, like we can't really learn much from it. Um, but I guess what are you kind of looking forward to seeing with these guys outside of, you know, a game? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to actually see one of them, first of all. Um, just the creation from Kamingo really stands out. I want to see Jalen Green in this environment. Uh, I also, since this is the first time we're ever seeing something like this, I mean, I'm really curious what happens with, um, with how their, how their production is in general. Like we don't know, first of all, really who they're playing. Uh, second, you know, just what the numbers look like in general. And I, I wonder if the numbers will be deceptive in either way. Um, I just have a lot of questions. So I feel like we're gonna have to trust the eye test for a lot of them, uh, if we even get to see the eye test much. Um, but I really think Nick's green and Kuminga are just going to be the top three must-sees. Uh, I think all of them have first-round grades pretty easily off their high school tape. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'm interested to see Nick's for sure, because uh, he's the one out of those three I know the least about. Um, but big guard. Um, nine assists immediately jumps out. Um, so, you know, I, I want to kind of get my hands on some film and see, you know, what are, are those assists earned? Is he just kind of throwing it up ahead to Kuminga and Green and then they're doing the rest? Like, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then I know Isaiah Todd was a really big name when he was like a sophomore. And um, did he have injuries? Was, was that his kind of why he kind of fell off the radar a little bit? I think he was just not that good. Um, but I don't I don't remember the injury. I don't uh, know high school ball have, as well I as I think should. He just wasn't, I just think he wasn't good like compared to – because like in, as a sophomore and junior, he was the guy for the 2021 recruiting class and in, or 2020, whatever. Uh, and instead just like – I don't know. He fell off, especially if the Michigan commit, the Michigan commitment was a lot bigger like a year ago. And then people were like, eh, he's dropping on the recruiting rankings. And that, I think that's just been his flaw. It's just production. Gotcha. Well, I'm interested in seeing all five of them regardless. Um, should be, should be a fun team. Um, and it's kind of nice that you'll, you'll get a good look at at least three first rounders every time they play. Um, and obviously seeing them against grown men, um, you know, it matters. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on. Um, so we, we saw a couple games this weekend. I, I know we've talked about Kentucky a fair amount already, um, but I know we both saw at least the first half of Notre Dame, Kentucky, man, they're, it, they're bad, dude. <laughs> like yeah and not just for their... kentucky standards that they, they just don't that there's no semblance of cohesion yep it's it's not smooth it is definitely one of their it's weird because like i really like as prospects isaiah jackson bj boston terrence clark i really like them um it's just and like olivier star is a really good college player too like he's gonna be he's probably one their best player at this point maybe like 
Like, it's kind of crazy. Arguably. Um, yeah, I just, I wonder if, like, I mean, P.J. Boston being this bad of a shooter <laughs> is a major surprise, and just this bad overall. Um, I really, I want to buy into him, because, like, the raw talent is, like, that still shows. He knows what he's doing. He just, the production just isn't there. Um, but, man, like, there's so many, you could dive down so many different areas as to what's wrong with Kentucky. Uh Mostly, I mean, B.J. Boston is kind of the start of it, uh, just because when you have a potential top five pick preseason, you expect him to play like it, and he hasn't. It's hurt. It's made their point guard issues uh, much more apparent. So I, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be a long season. They only have like a couple weeks to recover before conference play really heats up. So it, it's going to be long, uh, long two weeks. Yeah, and and I actually kind of look at it, the what you just said about Boston – um, I kind of look at it as the other way around, where I think the lack of a true point guard who can kind of, you know, help space the floor and get you into your sets and just organize your offense is um, it's exaggerating the weaknesses in Boston's game. And yeah. I tweeted something about it, um, you know, when they were playing against Notre Dame and I said, man, you know what? I've wanted to look past some of his flaws because the raw scoring ability is so good, but I can't look past it anymore. He he's a bad defender, not not just, you know, below like he is a bad defender. Guys just going right past him, um, you know, doesn't really know where he needs to be at this point, you know, as a team defender. Um doesn't have like the length to make up for it or the foot quickness. Um, and then he's not really like a, a creator for others either. So it's tough because how far do you drop a guy where you say those things and you're like, man, that doesn't even sound like a lottery pick. But then at the same time, the way he can score, if he's he, to me, he's going to, he's a guy who needs to find the, the right fit for him. He needs to be, in the backcourt with a creator, with a playmaker. Um, obviously, I think NBA spacing will be huge for him, just having that. But I, I couldn't overlook it anymore. And and a guy that I had not wanted to move off of my Suggs, Kuminga, Mobley kind of tier, Jalen Green to kind of tier, I, I am moving him down a tier because to me, he's got too many question marks if he's not scoring. Right. And that's what we're seeing right now. He's not, he's not just getting to the basket when he wants. And I think part of that again is just all the other flaws at Kentucky right now with he, he's got really nowhere to go. Yeah. And every year I feel but, like this happens. So, sorry. Well, oh. just one more thing kind of slipped my mind, but great scores find a way. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. no, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I I feel like he's defensively, like, I feel like if he doesn't get there first, like if the first move, uh, I, like, how do I describe it? Like he doesn't have the recovery speed, right? Yeah. That's pretty much it. Like if he's beat, he's done. There's no going back for him. He has to win the very beginning. And, uh, and if he's not doing that, he's lost. Uh, his jump shot also looks a lot more wonky than I remembered. Um, from high school it looked a lot smoother 
Um, it just looks like there's so much movement at the bottom of like when he starts the, the upper release, uh, like not, sorry, not his base, but like literally when he dips the ball, it's the way it comes up, it looks like he's going up and then like he turns his, I, I don't know how to describe it. It just doesn't seem right. Uh, maybe it's just the camera angles and everything, but I, I wonder if he's this year's Nico Mannion at this rate. Cause Nico started hot, but like, I mean, he had the Gonzaga game where he went like three of 20, things like that. I mean, he went five of 15 against Notre Dame. It's not terribly far off. Um, but there's just there's a lot of question marks, and if he doesn't turn it around soon, like I really do wonder what's his leash on his draft stock. Yeah, and I'd like to think he's talented enough to figure it out eventually, um, and start scoring in spite of the lack of ideal spacing and situation. But yeah, I mean it's it's a real question. Uh, I think when you I think the difference with him and Nico is you can't teach the raw scoring ability that that Boston has. And so yep. that has value, right? Even if it's just as kind of a volume score, those players still have some value. Um, and then when you just talk about the upside that he has in general, uh, he's probably not going to get out of the lottery at this point. I think he's probably still a top 10 guy. I mean, we're, we're crapping all over him, but at the same time, Again, like he, we're moving him from the three, four, five range, probably to the nine, ten, eleven range, not down to like the twenty, twenty-one. Yeah, and, and he might look. He might end up there eventually, but it, you can't overreact, you know, with a handful of games and say, you know, I'm moving a guy who I really loved and I had him top five, and I'm taking him and I'm moving him all the way down to the end of the first. Just like you're not going to say, well. You know, I would assume who's been playing great basketball and and he's a guy that I he was a borderline first round pick and now he's top 10. Like, no, you know, over the course of a long season, we could have that conversation. But, you know, it's you, you can't overreact too much when you have to consider everything, especially in a season where the the preparation was limited. Right. Yeah. It's such a weird circumstance. And I don't mean to suggest that he's going to go to 49 like Nico Mania did. No, no, uh, not at all. Not at all what I meant. But like he was the guy who of last year's top recruits, he was probably the biggest and and not trying to draw this comparison. I'm not saying BJ is this, but like Nico was the bust of the high school class. Like he just he did not live up to the top five, top 10 label. And it feels like every year there's someone uh he has a chance to be that there's still so much time though that I'm not writing him off either. Like, right. Yeah. For yeah, me, for you sure. still take the gamble in the first round. I mean, if guys like RJ, uh, RJ Hampton still got the benefit of the doubt, even have after having a horrendous season in Australia. Um, I mean, why should we be writing, writing out BJ Boston? Like someone with multiple picks or literally nothing to lose. It, it seems like Denver's always that team. Um, what's the, what's the worst that could happen? You know? Right. I think you still have to buy the traits. Um, and, and speaking of traits, I think that's a good segue to move on to um, the, the Tennessee Cincinnati game. And when you when you talk about Tennessee, I think you the conversation starts with Keon Johnson. Um, what I think is kind of interesting about Tennessee is, you know, they're they're two big name freshman recruits. Like, are they even starters? Nope. And they only play 20 minutes. Yeah, so um, 
I, I think that's another situation where you have to start just talking about the trade. So, so let's start with Keon Johnson. It was the first time I got to see him. And again, I've, I've only seen a game of him at this point. So I'm, you know, not a Keon Johnson expert, but, but what did you see and what did you like? Yeah. So first of all, that man is a pest on defense and he's not like we've seen pests come through and like they're annoying, but they don't stop people. This man like stops, stops a lot before it happens, especially off ball, uh, which makes me think he's going to be like a positive team defender at the very least. Like he's got the athleticism to really have all of that translate. Uh, IQ is there. The motor is crazy. I mean, it really, when I was watching him, I'm like, all right, this is this year's Josh Green on defense. Like he's going to be the guy who two minutes left, they're down 10. He's still going to be hounding everybody. Like it's the final possession in a tie game. Um, his motor is just unreal. And then you get to the offensive end. What do you think of his jump shots? I know he went 0 for 3. He didn't make a 3 against them. But, like, the first game against Colorado, his jump shot form looks so smooth in both off the dribble and uh, particularly catch and shoot. I think it's really clean. Yeah, I think there's definitely reason to to buy the jump shot long term. Um, I, I think there, there are some consistency kinks that need to be worked out. And yeah. Just getting up more reps, um, you know. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the ball's got to go through the net. Um, it sounds obvious, but you know the the form could look great all you want, but but the ball's got to go in. Um, again, we're only through three games here, but hasn't made a three, sixty two and a half percent from the line, um, and it, it's not like he was this lights out shooter in high school either. So. Um, I think there's reason for optimism with the shot, but I think it's something that is currently keeping him out of the top 10 for me. Yeah. But that's fair. The, the defense is real, man. He's a high level defender. Yeah. Yeah. He, if man, if he can just be serviceable from three, that's a three and D plus, like that's another guy who he just, he's got a role in the NBA. He fills a very valuable role. And I mean, what he's six, five, six, six, something like that. Yeah. Um, with athleticism like that's a that's a guy who when he fills out his frame congrats to the nba team who gets him because i i feel like he has such a high floor yeah he's a freak athlete absolute freak athlete um i do wonder um you know even if the shot doesn't come around um there's some playmaking there and yeah. is he kind of an isaac okoro ish type of player that could rise into the top five. I mean, I loved Okoro last year. Um, didn't expect him to go top five, but he did. Um, I think it was deserved. Um, so again, while Johnson is not, I mean, he's just outside probably my top 10 at this point, but it's, it's fluid and I could definitely see him going top seven, top eight. Uh, by by the end of the year there's just I mean again he's played three games so it's early there's more I want to see um, but you can't teach the defensive effort um, and you definitely can't teach his explosiveness yeah I mean he's he's just going to be one of those guys where I think he's going to be must watch every single time that he's on did you get to uh, I'm curious did you get to like pay attention to any of the other guys too or were you mostly just watching for Keon uh, so, so I was mostly watching for Keon and Springer, um, but 
Eve, Eve Pond stood out to me just because the dude's like a six five center who averaged two and a half blocks a game last <laughs> yeah. year. Like I love that. I love that. Yeah, speaking of freak athletes, that guy can he can yeah, block he's, anything. He's a beast. But I, the, he's another a beast. guy I like on Tennessee, uh, who man, he's another one of them. If he had a jump shot, a reliable jump shot, because I like his free throw form, but his jump shot form is so different. Is Josiah or I think I'm saying his name right, Jordan James. Um man, I that's another I, I feel like you can't turn down a JJJ after uh, Jaron Jackson. So it's <laughs> <laughs> my guy. I mean, he he's a jack of all trades kind of master of none, but he really can't shoot. Um I don't know. I don't know if you got to pay attention to him or not, but I really liked his game. Yeah, I'm going to need to go back and and look at that. Um most of my attention was on Keon Johnson if I'm honest. Yeah. That I really didn't get a good enough look at Springer um, to really comment. Uh, what I can say about Springer is I think he'll be 18 years old at the draft still. Um, so really young. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's 18 until September. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be one of those teams that, like, I mean, dude, they're going to be one of the most watched teams, I think, this year, especially in the SEC with Kentucky's kind of fall. Um, I really do think that guys like Victor Bailey is a lights-out shooter. He might get attention. It, they're going to have potential, like, five guys that could be on NBA draft radars, which is pretty wild. So, yeah, Tennessee is definitely – I feel like we're going to be talking about Keon a lot. Like, I'm very excited already for our breakdown of him, like, after the season. Um, I, I'm very excited for that one. Like, he, he's someone who, if you're in a – familiarize yourself with someone the maps cannot get under any circumstances <laughs> um well so again I, i'm gonna kind of jump around on you a bit and, and we didn't really talk about the uh about doing this um but just kind of speaking of lights out shooters iowa has a couple guys that do you think i mean bohan bohan and i don't I don't think is, is worth talking about uh, in that regard, but, but Joe Wieskamp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's an NBA guy. Yeah. He shot um, only 35% from three last year, but 42% as a freshman right now through six games, he's 50% from, from three. Um, he's a career 80% free throw shooter. Um, so that's what I was going to ask. Do you think he's a, he's an NBA player? Yeah, I think so. I think he's going to be one of those guys worth taking a second-round gamble on because he's got good size and he's a decent athlete, you know? And I'm, I know he has a good feel for the game. Um, so, I, I mean, he's just got a bunch of, like, the check boxes. It's just kind of about putting it all together. Um, but I think he, as a wing, it's worth taking a gamble on in the second round. I mean, obviously, like, what's crazy is he might go before Luca Garza in the draft because of big men's uh, perception, even though I do think – Luca Garza, even as outdated as his game is, not being able to defend and being a post-oriented big, like you're not going to be post-oriented in the NBA. He can, he's shown he can shoot the ball, unreal feel for the game, works his ass off, like incredible work ethic from anyone that I've known to talk to the guy. Like it's crazy. I, I think he's a. You see Vucevic be an all-star, and it's like, how can this guy not have a spot in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, he's the best player in college basketball right yep. now. Yep. I mean. College basketball, not the best, you know, not the most talented, but he, I right. mean, scoring like he's 30 be points a game. Yeah, he's yeah. a beast. And, and if you look at the past player of the year winners, like, 
I think the the worst pro career of any of them was Tyler Hansberg, who played like seven years. Yeah. Like, so if you win that, like, <laughs> there's a future. There's a future. It just remains to be seen what it what it is. Um. So let's. Any other anything else about college? I yes, one thing I stand corrected. The worst is Jimmer. Uh, so oh, I'm gonna, fair, I'm gonna backtrack, backpedal on that one. But no, nothing else. <laughs> Um, actually, do you have your list of games to watch for this coming week? Uh, I I can draw one up. (laughs) Yeah, I I honestly have still been playing catch up for this whole week, but the weekend always brings out the best games. I mean, Saturdays are always, um, you know, just incredible. Gonzaga returns. And actually that's probably the best game. You get Drew Timmy and, uh, and, uh, Corey Kispert versus Luca Garza. Uh, that'll be an. Speaking of them, that'll be an incredible game. A lot of teams are starting up conference. That play might be a similar. Final Four preview. Yep. Uh, I'm really excited for Alabama versus Western Kentucky. Seeing Charles Bassey uh, play probably his toughest competition yet. Uh, and also speaking of Alabama, I got to give a shout out Herb Jones. If you haven't seen him yet, that guy is awesome. Lockdown defender, um, really good playmaker, and his shot has improved a ton. Uh, and then North Carolina plays Kentucky, which probably a month ago was like super hyped, but. It's died down a little bit. Uh, and then Baylor starts their conference play. They play Kansas State. Um, and Ohio State-UCLA is the other part of the championship, Champions Classic. And then winner of that game versus, will play North Carolina and Kentucky, and the losers will play each other. Um, so that'll be good. And then also Virginia versus Villanova. And that's it for Saturday. Uh, let me see. <laughs> I'm double-checking. So Sunday has a few others. Um, Illinois versus Rutgers, those two NBA prospects, Ayo Dusunmu and uh, Ron, Ron Harper. Harper Jr. Ron Harper Jr., man, I, I'm i starting to really like Rutgers. Like, that guy is like, <laughs> a three-level score, high IQ. Uh, and then Texas, Oklahoma State, I'm, I'm going to throw out every single game of Cade Cunningham. It's must-watch. I'm interested to see how Texas tries to defend him because Texas has some pretty solid perimeter defenders. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see how they choose to to go about guarding Cunningham. Yeah, I I mean, dude, our guy Kai Jones, man, I would love to see him guard him. That would be honestly the dream if we get to see that matchup, even just twice. And like, just the fact that 50, that's 50, even a conversation says so much about crazy. Kai Jones. It's crazy. Uh, I I'm all the way here for it. Um, I mean, Greg Brown too. Like, those are, yeah, the Big 12 is really good this year. Like, it is really exciting. Um, and also, I'm not seeing any other big names, big games before Christmas. Um, I mean, excluding Iowa. Iowa's always going to be a big game. But once Christmas comes, like, that's when the games start really heating up, which I'm assuming uh, we're probably not going to have an episode probably till about the new year. Uh, so we'll have a lot to catch up on, which will be exciting. But, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be good basketball. It's going to be hit or miss. Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's the day after Christmas, but yeah, there'll be a lot. Awesome. So let's, um, let's move to the NBA here. Uh, and let's start with, uh, I know it's preseason, but it's a shortened preseason. Um, we're, we're kind of still seeing how, how everything's going to work, but, but you're seeing teams not be afraid to, um, to play their guys for, you know, 20 some minutes a night. Um, we saw the Mavs reserves get some run against the Bucks starters. Um, but my big takeaway is Josh Richardson is going to yep. be a heck of a fit 
And and we talked about it at the draft that we liked um, the potential of him getting back to those kind of heat numbers of when, when he put up like 16, four and four. Um, he he's going to have so much more room to do his thing. Um, and he's not going to have to be the guy defensively either. Not that he wasn't Philly. I mean, Ben Simmons is one of the best perimeter defenders in the game too, but, um, you know, just having him in, in Dallas has such a huge domino effect, allowing Hardaway to, to guard the third best player on the floor instead of the second. Um, and then just being able to take the ball out of Lucas hands every once in a while and having somebody that you trust to make um, a good decision. He, he's, he's good, man. He's a good fit here. Yeah, and, and he's one of those guys that, um, you know, you can't take a lot away from preseason. You just you can't. But it's right, so obvious, exactly. though. It's so obvious. Like, at the end of the day, it's still basketball. Like, you can tell right. he fits. And, like, I was talking with someone. I was doing a podcast before this. And I was talking with the guy, and we were talking about, you know, the loss of Seth Curry, which it hurts. Uh, but if you remember in the bubble, like, he, when he was not shooting the ball well, and this is all year, he just wasn't out there. He was just non-existent. He shot at 45% from three, so, like, it was very rare when it happened. Um, I don't feel like you're going to have the same just ghost effect that you saw with De- Seth Curry. You know, with Josh Richardson, even on the worst offensive night, he still brings a lot of value to the table with his uh, with his defense. Like, it's it's just such a floor raiser for the team. Yeah, and, I mean, look, is he going to – continue to shoot as well as he has probably not i mean he he was five of six on uh what was it two nights ago when they played yeah monday night five of six from three like that's that's not something you can expect from him every night obviously but um yeah i agree with what you're saying right you you know you're gonna get defense out of him every night you're you're probably getting a better uh passer and playmaker as well um better finisher right if the three isn't falling he can he can score in other ways um and not to downplay what seth meant for the team because you know you just got rid of a top five shooter in the nba arguably um but but richardson just fills such a huge need um and i think it's it's very likely we're going to see him play well and that you're going to see dallas offer him a long-term deal um once once he opts out of his contract especially now that you know Giannis is re-signed with with Milwaukee which by the way I love um yep. even as a Mavs fan you, you get a player like that to stay in a smaller market like Milwaukee it's so good for the NBA so good and I don't know championships wouldn't have felt earned if he just like like it's one thing to sign like you you need to sign a good free agent to to compete for a title. It's another story if the you know a two time MVP just like walks in and is like, All right, I'm here. Hey, I'm, we I'm joined up with the best, you know, under twenty five year old player in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it before. It puts a I, I just as much as obviously I would love Giannis, yeah, good for them. Good for the Bucks. I wanted him to stay. He's one of those guys that's like I don't know how people hate him, first of all, uh, if you're not a Rockets fan. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't know. Kind of build with what you got. Luke would be the guy. Uh, I'm not mad for the Mavs' sake. 
Although, obviously, I wouldn't turn down an MVP. <laughs> no, I mean, you wouldn't turn it down. But <laughs> no, no, no. Not to imply that's what you meant. <laughs> no, it, the, I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they allocate that money. And, you know, you can kind of manipulate the cap a little bit to, you know, acquire a really good player, even if it's via trade, and then still get, um, still retain Josh Richardson using his bird rights. Um, which I think they have. I'm not 100% yep, they do. sure on that. They do. Um, so, I mean, what other what other takeaways do you have? Uh, the team is going to be stacked. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that Tyrell Terry isn't as – I mean, I, I'm not, but I am. Uh, I thought he would come along a little bit more in the preseason rotation. I thought he would be pre- featured a little bit more, but uh, that's kind of surprised me. I – what do you expect for tomorrow's game? Or, yeah, what do you expect for the Wolves game? I mean, the preseason. Do you expect them to use it as a tune-up game and, like, take it seriously for three quarters? Or do you think they'll just go, like, yeah, let's play for a quarter? I think they'll probably do something similar to Milwaukee because I think you're still getting guys in, like, game shape. Um, and you're just kind of having to speed up the process. But just knowing how the Mavs like to take things slow and they don't like to risk anything – um, I could kind of see them, you know, doing something similar. Um, another takeaway I had actually was Josh Green. He's he's ready to go. Oh, yeah. He's ready yep. to contribute right away. And his cutting ability is going to be huge here. Yeah. I mean, imagine because when he was at Arizona, he had to battle through two teammates in the paint. He always had, you know, Zeke Naji and someone else uh, in the paint, plus two defenders at the least. So, having not five people in the paint will really help him, uh, especially for a team that runs a ton of five out or four out one in. And like, I, I feel like the upside is just so realistically high for, uh, for Josh Green and, and dude, the defense. And I've never seen someone try so hard in a preseason game. Like this is the <laughs> best thing to be a try hard for. Like, well, I think the two Josh's their kind of defensive intensity is infectious. Um, and, and that's something that we had talked about, um, a while back, right. Even before the draft, um, you know, I had mentioned, you know, when I had listened to, to Bibbs podcast and he was saying how they have to have somebody who prides himself on defense, who makes that a focus for other teammates. And they did that. And we're starting to see the fruits of that labor, um, Again, in preseason, but hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I, I I feel like it's just impossible not to be unbelievably excited about this math season. So while we're on this unrealistic high here, uh, why don't we do some math predictions <laughs> and then uh, some NBA predictions? So 72-game season, um, so with that in mind... Rather than asking, you know, how many wins, uh, where where do the Mavs fall in the Western Conference? I feel like they're going to be the five seed. Uh, I don't see them being higher than four. I don't see them being lower than seven, barring health, of course. Yeah, I, I was going to say six. Um, so minor improvement uh, in the standings, but I think they'll be a much better team, and I think they'll be much more equipped to make a second round or maybe even conference final run 
Um, just because I think defense matters a lot more in the, in the playoffs. Um, I think you're going to have guys who can make shots. Um, again, this is also assuming that Porzingis comes back and he's, he's healthy and he's good ap- after his little, you know, couple week long hiatus at the start of the season. Um, but it, I think it also, again, just kind of speaks volumes to the strength of the West. Uh, both LA teams, Denver, Utah, um, Phoenix is going to be really good this year. Uh, Houston could still be a problem. You still have James Harden. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Portland, um, the Pelicans. Um, so there, there's still a lot of good teams in the West and, you know, still finishing with a five or six seed would be a success, especially if you're able to get out of the first round. Yep. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, getting into the second round is really the, at the least the goal this year. And then I think after next, after you make the second round this year, assuming the timeline goes according to it, then you start putting the title aspirations. I don't really think it's fair to throw it on just yet. And especially given like, it seems like they've got a core, like they've got a core that's going to stick together. I feel like Josh Richardson, especially to Giannis news is inevitably going to stay here. Um, I, I just, I have such a hard time not seeing this just be the core going forward. It's the team that like, they're going to make a finals, you know, they're like, although the Mavs love turnover, I feel like this one's it. This is like the group that sticks. I think they're going to find one more guy um, to kind of add to that core who is somewhere between Porzingis and Richardson on the, you know, totem pole. Um, the third star, so to speak, doesn't even need to be a star per se, but um, if Josh Richardson is your fourth, excuse me, fourth best player and he fits the system as well as we, we think he will, that's a dangerous team. As, as the third best player, it's still a good team. If he's your fourth best, that's a dangerous team. Yeah, and like you said, it's assuming he fits. Like, if he does fit, like, he's already shown the signs of it, I just, how do you turn that guy down? Like, how is he not going to be a star for them, relatively? All right, so so you said no no title aspirations this year. Um, who, who what what is your finals prediction? I've got the Clippers beating the Celtics. I really think the Celtics are like, I, I don't see... I don't see a team that could make it more easily than them. I know the Bucks have Giannis, uh, but man, they are stacked top to bottom. I'm going to say Lakers repeat uh, over Philly. I think that's um, that's a good one. I think Philly kind of, you know, opening things up. Uh, I, I think the spacing is going to be a lot better there. Um, I, I think you still have two top 15 NBA players and a really solid supporting cast. Um, I think this is the year they figure it out. Yeah, I, I really hope so. I want Philly to be good. I want them to be able to make it work because, first of all, I fully trust and do still trust the process. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that goes without saying, though, of course, I'm mad trapped. Like, why would I not? But, like... <laughs> I just, I'd love to see it. Like, I like Embiid. I like Simmons. Uh, Seth Curry's there. I, I just feel like it's a beautiful, like, blend at the right time. Almost like 2011 Mavs-ish. You know, they have their core, but then they just, they kind of 
maybe they get lightning uh, in a bottle kind of thing. And who knows? I, I would love to see it. Like if, if there was any team in the East that I want to get it, it's them. That's not Orlando. But I'm being realistic. So. <laughs> Sleeper team. All right, let's do uh, let's do a couple more predictions. Uh, MVP. MVP is the one that I still just like. I'm going back and forth. I got Jokic. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it should go to LeBron, and it's going to go to Luca. Wow. I'm putting in the call. Wow, I like it. I like it. 22-year-old 20, MVP? 21-year-old. Yeah. No, 22. No, it'll be 22. Yeah. Yeah, 22-year-old MVP. Um, yeah. I, I think he's going to... I think he's going to do it. I'm, I'm all for but it. But I, I don't I'm think he'll necessarily it. deserve it. But I think he'll get I, it. I just don't know if he'll get it at the 560. Like... That's my biggest concern. I have Denver being a top two seed. That's um, fair. Yeah, things would need to go right for the Mavs. So I'll say the Mavs are like a three seed. We'll change that. Why not? Just to yeah, fit the narrative. Just for the narrative. I yeah. got you. <laughs> but who do you have? Who do you the, have for the, defensive player of the year? While I'm thinking about that, I can go. LeBron's first. gotten robbed so many times just because people are tired of it, <laughs> and I just had to say that. Um, oh, I thought I thought you were going to go and say, well, because he got robbed of MVP in my prediction, and yeah, he's right. been robbed, two wrongs make a right. So and then you're obviously, the answer here is Josh Green. No. Um, <laughs> man, you go first. I got Bam. I, I just feel like the narrative is there for him. You answered uh, too quickly. Yeah, I, my bad. I mean, <clears throat> after long and hard consideration, <laughs> I got Idris Bam out of bio. <laughs> Better. Yeah, I forgot that was his first name. I went, uh, dude, while you're, while you're thinking, imagine naming your kid legally Bam. That would be That'd amazing. Be great. Like, <laughs> I mean, Anthony Davis is another one. Gobert. I mean, do you think, I mean, Marcus Smart could be a guy uh, that I've seen. I'm going to say around. Gobert. Embiid. You can say, say Embiid Gobert. if you really believe in them. Okay, Rudy. All right, this one's yeah. probably one you've thought a lot more about. Rookie of the year. And I think this will probably be the last one we do. Mavs draft. Or no, second to last. Second to last. I should have saved this one for last. Rookie of the year. Well, do you want to just save it for last? We yeah, yeah. While yet. you're thinking of it, let's save it for last and let's improve. Let's do most improved instead. <laughs> okay. Who's, who's your who's your person there? So I really, you know, I love DeAndre Aiden. I really wanted to go with him. But uh, someone who I see having the narrative, he's playing on a playoff team. Uh, the stats are easily justified where if he goes, doubles it, he's probably the biggest improvement. Um, and he, we saw flashes in the bubble. So he has like everything going for him. I've got OG and Yunobi. I really think he could have a big year, um, you know, playing on Toronto being they need. I mean, Toronto is amazing with player development. I feel like that's such a cheating answer, but I really do think he has a Jalen Brown like jump. Uh, he gets a little bit more honored for it. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> You, let me ask you to give you some <laughs> some uh, stimulation here. Do you believe in Jamal Murray? Yeah, but I think he's think already he, good. See, I think that's the thing. And like, if Denver though is a three seed, he might end up being most improved because that would mean he's taken the jump. Because obviously he took a bubble jump, but 
that's a lot different from doing it for a full season because I mean, he's still not even at 20 points a game. If he got to 23, 24, even 25, which I think is incredibly realistic on that team. Well, that's uh, what I was just looking up. Has he, did he really not score 20 points a game last year? Nope. nope. He, he stayed the same in points per game, but improved by 3% on his efficient on field goal percentage while also dropping in three point percentage. So um, if he, if he repeats his shooting splits and gets up to 25, I see no reason why he wouldn't be it. Because I think 18 to 25 is a lot harder than 10 to 20, like I think for OG. Yeah, I'll go with him then. Good pick. Kind of like I'm cheating, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, rookie of the year. You have to go first now. You have to go first. (laughs) My rookie of the year will be... Damn, the suspense. <laughs> I feel like I know who it is. I feel like it's LaMelo Ball. Yeah. I just want to right? pick. Yeah, he was my number one guy. It's a good situation for him where he's going to be touching the ball a lot. If I'm being realistic, it's LaMelo Ball. But I, I want to also pick someone else just to be different. But while I'm thinking of my out-of-the-box pick, who's who's your pick for rookie of the year? I'm not really looking back at it. I got Killian Hayes. I feel like this situation is literal perfection for him. I think he's a lot more NBA-ready than people thought. Um, I just I see no issues with him translating in Detroit. Who's your dark horse? <sighs> I did not think of that. Um, got him. My biggest dark movie. horse would be Cole Anthony. I fully believe in him taking the, um, the step forward and um actually you know be a rotation guy another one uh another dark horse man the fit i'm all in on the superstar that he's playing with taking a massive jump uh like luca did last year not quite as extreme uh which is desmond bain i feel jaw's gonna take that jump um i i really do think he has a chance and then you could convince me maybe i mean Maybe Anthony Edwards. Isaac Okor has looked good, though, too, and I'm kind of buying into some recency bias on him. Yeah, I think my dark horse would be Obi. Yeah, see, I I feel like he's been picked so much, and I just, for a guy who couldn't beat A-10 defenders off the dribble, I really struggled to see how he gets. I mean, he's purely an off-ball player, which is good in the NBA, but I just I struggle to see what he does to get rookie of the year with volume because it's a volume thing and like I, th- I think if he how goes many losses seventeen and nine oh yeah yeah that's fair but you know but will he though that's I have a I lot don't of know. I don't know. double digits that's yeah I, I could <clears throat> if I'm the Knicks I'm trying to force feed him and get him as many touches as possible and make this year all about. Obi yep. and then build around Obi and the guys that I draft this coming season. But yep. that's just me. And and one extension of this question, if you had to choose one non top 20 pick to make the all rookie first or second team, who are you choosing? Just Tyrese Maxey. Fair. Okay. I should have said, okay. <laughs> non top 20. <laughs> That was too easy. Is there anybody, though, that you think, like, that was severely slept on on draft night that, you know, because after 
I mean, after a certain point, you know, people were like, I don't know who this is. Like, I have two personally, I have two guys after 25. There are three, three guys in my all-rookie predictions that after the 25th pick were taken, which I have Emmanuel quickly on the second team, Elijah Hughes on the second team, and I have Desmond Bain first team. Okay. I like it. So do you think any of those, like, obviously I'm assuming you don't have, like, the 60th pick being all-rookie or something. He's not Isaiah Thomas, but... Yeah. Do you have anybody like that? Um, hold on. Let me go back and look at it. Or if they're not like a top 10 rookie in your eyes, who do you think is the most likely to outperform their draft spot after, let's just say, 25? In year one. In year one. Not not long term because, yeah. <laughs> Nico, just because of that fit. Wow. That I, is, I love that is a the bold one. I like it. State. Yeah. No, I, I like that one. Is he going to be the media backup? That's kind of crazy. I know he's on the two-way. Um, and I haven't really seen I haven't seen anything of them in preseason, honestly. Yeah, me neither. I, I just saw Steph and his new haircut go off. Yeah. <laughs> he's so good. That's a good pick. That's um, a good pick. I was looking to see what our mailbag was, but we only got one question. Let's take it. This is the uh, Marcos <laughs> Levy uh, session. It is. So so our buddy Marcos asked, real targets for Mavs to trade for before the deadline and its fit? That's a good question. Man, I feel... <sighs> that is I still a, think still even good. with Josh Richardson, if Chicago would entertain moving Zach Levine, that's still... A really nice fit here as yeah. the you you probably have to give up Hardaway to do it and and give them that um that expiring deal but if you can improve you know as your tertiary scoring option to Zach Levine <laughs> a guy who averaged like 25 points a game albeit a bit inefficiently but again you put him with Luca, Porzingis, Richardson, that's a really good, you know, foursome of players right there. Um, that would be one, but again, if they're entertaining that, and I'm I'm not sure the Mavs have the pieces to get that deal done just yeah. because of the picks that they have committed to the the Porzingis trade already. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Actually, I was going to say a different Chicago Bull. Uh, I was going to say Otto Porter being an expiring, depending on what happens with James Johnson and his. Or that one makes a not, lot. That one's much more feasible. Yeah, because I mean that's Hardaway and James Johnson, and then like, you call it a day. Or actually, yeah, yeah, Hardaway. You could even. You don't have to yeah. give up that much. You could give yeah, up James no, you could, Johnson and how? If you do, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yep. I was going to say you could even do like. Bond's expiring and plus someone, but it gets complicated the more people you throw in. Uh, yeah, Powell. That all depends on how well he how well he plays. I feel like they're not gonna get rid of him. Obviously, um, they love Powell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I would take Auto Porter though if he's if he's available and like super low price. All they want is a swap. Sign me up. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good fit, and and I think much, again much more realistic. Um, who else? 
Let me uh let me see what other expiring deals there are. I just need to have a little visual here. Well, if you need big men, Detroit will have a lot. Yeah, right. Not expiring, so. Uh, Because I I feel like if you look at the bottom of the conferences, I mean, those are going to be obviously the sellers. Like, I feel like, I I hope to God the Mavs don't do this. The Spurs have some guys. The Spurs definitely have some guys that, like, could fit elsewhere that they may not want to invest a lot of money in. I mean, Rudy Gay uh, has been really solid. Not, like, jumping out anymore, but uh, I really hope they don't go after LaMarcus Aldridge. it wouldn't be the worst. Another guy, Trey Lyles. Sorry to keep stealing your thunder because I know you're trying to find someone. But <laughs> no, you're good. You're but good. Like, Trey Lyles is a he's a five and a half million dollar guy. Um, I mean, probably second round pick price for him. I would take him. Like that would be another role player that fills the forward spot, does a little bit of everything. Good shooter. Just not not good defender. Yeah. Actually. If the Mavs could get like Patty Mills, first of all, for the one one reason above everything else, make him stop killing the Mavs. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, but also like if the guard play like outside of Luca, like you know, true point guards just doesn't perform. Um, that would be an interesting option. He's 13 million expiring. Um, potentially could do Hardaway for him. Um, something like that would be pretty interesting. If um. If the Clippers were serious about trying to get rid of Lou Williams, because I know that he kind of had the whole spat with, I don't know if you read that athletic article where yeah, they went into with the why, right? Yeah. So if they are entertaining moving him, um, because I, I know that was like a rumor where they were going to give up 18 for him, which I thought would have been ridiculous. But if you can, if you can get him for a reasonable price. Yeah, so. I like that. He's $8 million, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy valuable. He, someone, some unfortunate soul is going to give him like a three-year, $60 million contract and then be paying for it after the first season. God, please not the Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> or the Magic. Um. All right, anything else? <laughs> Excuse me, COVID. Uh, anything else that you uh, you wanted to talk about before we wrap it up here? No, I uh, I think this is a good episode. I'm excited for the Mavs season. Next time we record, the Mavs will have played uh, serious, meaningful games, and college landscape will have changed too. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, enjoy your enjoy your trip and everything, and we'll be back in a few weeks. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Um, Feel free to write us a nice review and rate us five star on your podcast app of choice. Um, Subscribe to it so that you don't miss uh, you don't miss an episode. Um, But again, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time.